0: Welcome to the Sports Girly Podcast, your home for snackable sports for the girlies that kind of care. Welcome back to the Sports Girly Podcast, your host, Whitney. And as always, this podcast is sponsored by Z-Biotics. Z Biotics iodicscom forward slash 10. You'll get 10% off your purchase. I'm telling you the discount is worth it. The product is worth it. You will not be hung over. I say this every single time, but check it out. I would not steer you wrong, but let's go ahead and get into the episode. I haven't really had that eventful of a week other than kind of just like sinusy stuff is going on. Obviously we've got just like the normal house things going on, but have a few events, a few plans for the weekend, so looking forward to that. But overall, it's been a pretty uneventful week. So that being said, let's get into the podcast episode. As I mentioned, that this week I would be talking about the Florida documentary because, like I said, we are a Florida Gators family. So let me share my thoughts on that. Also, the Top 100 Players came out. And this is based on their performance on the field, not like their philanthropy or their character, will be an interesting list. And just kind of like last week, a good refresher and top-level information about high-level players so that you can kind of watch out for them, have some talking points when you're out and about, and you want to have something to share as far as sports conversation goes. So let's get into it. Okay, so to clarify, I did not go to the University of Florida. I actually went to the University of North Texas. Stone Cold Steve Austin went there. That's really kind of our claim to fame. It's in Denton, which is north of Dallas. And they are actually getting better as the years go on. They have become a better football school. Interesting, though, was there was a quote-unquote hurricane headed to Florida this, like, last week. And Florida played... University of Utah in Utah. So they actually went and played in Dallas, like left early so that they could get ahead of the storm. And they actually practiced at the University of North Texas. So kind of random, kind of cool. You would think that this documentary would be lighting a fire under Florida as far as like that game goes, but it did not. But that get, let's get into the documentary itself. And I will share my thoughts along the way. But Irvin Meyer is the coach that they're kind of highlighting, and it's hit. It's the time frame in which the Florida Gators won the championship the year prior and during, and then after. It kind of covers all of that. And during that time, Tim Tebow went there, and so did my husband. So it was, I'm telling you, when that documentary came out, there was no talking. You were laser focused on the game, like on the documentary. We could not talk. It was full on, this is important, you know, kind of thing over here. So anyways, Urban Meyer, as you may know, if you watch the documentary or not, he's like a big Ohio fan, um, grew up in the area and stuff, but didn't coach Ohio until later. He also coached Jacksonville Jaguars, but that didn't go according to plan either. But really the documentary, as they explain is like Urban Meyer is really known for an offense that is called a spread offense, and same as Dan Mullen, who ended up being Florida Gators head coach recently. And he came from University of New Hampshire, I believe they were talking about. So anyways, both these guys are into a spread offense. So a spread offense is where the quarterback could run and throw the ball. And you're forced to defend the entire line. So when everyone's lined up on the line of scrimmage, the defense is having to cover the entire line of offensive players not just like oh let's just go find the quarterback because he's not going anywhere he's just going to throw the ball but a spread offense they predom- like they're going to run they're kind of go all over the place hence the name there's more that goes into it but just for like surface level information and the sec is predominantly at the time like a defensive conference so just big guys that kind of kind of manhandle the offense so think like More or less, they're probably lower scoring games because if you're just tackle and you can't really run the ball very far, you're obviously going to struggle at getting high amounts of touchdowns. However, they're going into this, you know, season with that spread offense and they're like, it's going to work. And the SEC is like, nah, bro, that's not going to work for you. And Florida did end up losing to Alabama, kind of proving like this isn't going to work. Well, they kind of go through the season, and he's, like, sticking by his guns. Urban is sticking by his guns. This is a spread offense. I'm going to run the team this way. A few things happen, as you know, may know from the documentary. You know, he stops the plane on the tarmac and ends up firing players or telling players that they can quit because he's giving his blood, sweat, tears his whole life to this. And if they aren't, the exit door is right there and kind of, Gave him a coming to Jesus meeting. And when they mentioned that on the documentary, I lost it. I thought that was just so relatable just coming from the South. Like a coming to Jesus meeting is like, oh no. Like yikes. It's serious. So I really got to chuckle out of that moment. But ultimately it comes down to like we got to get a quarterback. So there's some star players in this documentary one being Brandon Stiller, Stiller, he's the linebacker of, at the time, and like he has like these crazy parents, um, and Irvin Meyer's just like, you keep doing you. I know you're trying to get out of the projects, like let's keep going. I understand like where you come from now, and that's really like, as Irvin Meyer is like, he does get to get a bad rap, and like some may not agree with his like coaching style. But at the end of the day, he does seem to care about those players and that's why he won't, you know, fire a player, like remove a player from the team because he had a player die just weeks after getting let go off the team. So just for like drugs and things like that. So he promised that he would never do that, which I think is so admirable and really just like, oh, that's so sweet. However, the way he coaches this team, you know, they get Tim Tebow and they are as like Brandon Spike says like they are preparing for war in Iraq like they are going crazy and Tim Tebow says in the documentary that like they I mean it was like one-on-one like training things like that and what was being said was probably hurtful and like some people could handle it because they never wanted to be embarrassed or treated that way again but like you said Other people could not handle it, and it, you know, really affected them long term. So I understand it's a case-by-case basis, doesn't work for everybody, but you really got to push it to the limit. I'm sorry, and especially now with these NIT, or sorry, NIL, you know, situations where these players are getting paid millions and millions of dollars to play a sport that they've dreamed and worked to play their entire lives. You better be putting your blood, sweat, and tears into it. Like give it your all, and maybe spend less time on TikTok. I don't know. That's kind of my thought. So I do think that if I'm really like speaking as a generational, as a generation as a whole, like they're pretty soft, and we gotta step it up, and you will perform better if you step it up, and that's kind of where Urban Meyer is coming from this documentary, and so I understand, and I totally agree with him on that. Maybe that's an unpopular opinion and you may think like, oh, Whitney, that's so mean. But like if I want something that bad, like I better be willing to work that hard for it. So that's where I kind of stand on that and like that piece of the documentary as a whole. But my takeaway is that there's no way that Urban Meyer would make it in the NFL doing that or probably even college today because the flip side of what I would love to see is like these players really like putting their blood sweat and tears in, and maybe in their minds they are but you're getting paid now in college to do it and when you're getting paid like you don't really want to put up with that kind of stuff so I can see why he did, he was not successful in the NFL but yeah just watching I don't know that much about Tim Tebow other than like what we all kind of know like when he was playing and obviously my husband's a huge fan you know we invited him to our wedding he sadly declined he had other engagements however it was really cool to kind of see him and like understand where his upbringing and his passion for football as a sport but also like his willingness to like pick up the other team members like so selfless like in such a selfless way it just it was really nice to see like a kind human like that and while he is a was a generational quarterback like he's also a generational human like I I am definitely on team team t- team Tim Tebow say that like five times oh my goodness. But yeah, um that's really kind of my thoughts on that. But that brings me to like another thing that's going on in college as a whole, is these reorg of the conferences. And I know they're running after TV deals, but it's insanity. Like, why is a school in California playing a school in the East Coast? Makes no sense to me. I understand. You have to go where the money is. But the thing that no one's really talking about is this is just for football or the men's basketball team. No one's talking about how this is going to impact, you know, The Stanford women's basketball team—they can't afford, you know, chartered flights to—I don't know, North Carolina. I can't remember who they're playing against, but somewhere on the East Coast, that flight's expensive. That flight is long. They also are students; like their bodies are not going to be able to adapt to this. Like they're—it just—it makes no sense. So it's not going to last. It's not sustainable. That there will have to be like a reorg again because the other programs are going to suffer because of it. So that's also going on right now, but it is what it is. And I don't know how long these TV deals are, but I would bet next contracts that come out, this will all be different. All right, let's talk about the top 100 players in the NFL. Now, as I mentioned at the beginning, these are all rankings based on peers, teammates, opponents, Watching film, playing against them, and then ranking them based on, like, this is how I feel it's going to be going up against this person. And you rank them kind of based on that. There is another one that we went over like months ago where the NFL and the players, they all rank like the organizations. They rank like the kind of like the end of year review of like the organization as like a business. But also like players and like their philanthropy and things like that, and that's how they like, can win, you know, different awards and so on. So let's get into it. We're gonna start. We're gonna just go over the top ten because like it would be too much to really go over anybody else other than that. No offense. So number one or number ten, we have Chris Jones, defensive end for the Kansas City Chiefs. Last year, he had seventeen sacks in the regular and and including the playoffs. So he is, if you visualize it, like he's coming from the line, runs around, and sacks the quarterback. That is hard to do, as well as hard to not get penalties for that. So good job for him. He is the best interior defender in the league, and he has gone to four consecutive Pro Bowls. So, and, you know... Did, I don't know, honestly, did he play for the Kansas City Chiefs last year? I would guess yes, so he's also a Super Bowl winner. Then we have Micah Parsons for the Dallas Cowboys. He's a linebacker. He's been in the league for two years. He's going into his third year, and he is ranked top 10 in sacks with, like, 13 and a half sacks this past season, 26 quarterback hits, and three forced fumbles. So just imagine, like, this guy is just, like, attacking these quarterbacks like these quarterbacks have no chance up against Micah Parsons but as you may know like the Cowboys they always have a opportunity let's say so we'll see how how well he's able to perform in the league this year with the Cowboys then you have number eight we have Josh Allen for the Buffalo Bills he's their quarterback he has helped bring the Bills back to somewhat of a, some successful seasons, and they haven't looked this good since the nineties. So, Bills Mafia is raring up for another year. Like they are excited that Josh Allen is who they are praising these these days. So he actually leads the team to a thir- He led the team to a thirteen and three record last season. He finished his third straight season in the league with four thousand passing yards. The only NFL player in history to record at least 35 passing and five rushing touchdowns in three different seasons. It may sound like gibberish, but when you're the first player in the NFL to do something like top-notch, chef's kiss, that's who you are. Number seven, we have Tyreek Hill for the Miami Dolphins. He's a wide receiver. kind of broke him down a little bit last week when I was going over fantasy players. I went after him in my fantasy league, but I did not pick him up. Someone else got him because they also know that he is a top player in the NFL, will put up a lot of points in fantasy, but he's also going to help the Dolphins perform well week to week. His nickname is the Cheetah, and he joined the Dolphins midseason last year, and with that, like they ended up having a better half of the year, but as we know, Tua is their quarterback who suffers from many a concussion, so it is hard for Tyreek to really put up those numbers when he has a quarterback like that. But even so, he had seventeen over 1,700 receiving yards, overing, averaging over 100 yards a game this past year. So he's definitely one to watch. Then we have number six, Joe Burrow. The girls are upset because he's engaged now. Like there are bars in Cincinnati giving away sad girl shots because he's engaged. I do have him as my number one quarterback in my fantasy league. So I am a fan of Joe Burrow. As I mentioned before, I would love to see the Niners, Bengals and the Super Bowl this year. So we'll see if that happens. But he still remains to be one of the best young quarterbacks in the NFL right now. Something worth mentioning if you want to talk about Joe Burrow to friends and family is Joe Burrow is up for a new contract and he will be the highest paid quarterback in the NFL at the time. So if you're just looking for something to say, like every quarterback that's up for a new contract does become the highest player, but no one's going to say that to you. So when you're out, you can be like, you know what, Joe Burrow, he is earning that top quarterback contract He's going to be the highest played player in the NFL. Things like that. Then you have Travis Kelsey, who is currently hurt, but was ranked number five um, in the top 100 players. He's starting his 11th year in the league. He is one of the greatest tight ends that has ever played in the NFL. So he's broken the record for the most games with over 100 receiving yards, and he is one of... Only five tight ends of all time that have over 10,000 receiving yards. So you're out and about, be like, I hope Travis Kelsey can really up those receiving yards. I know he is one of the top tight ends of all time. There's another talking point for you. Next, we have number four, Nick Bosa for the San Francisco 49ers. He is a defensive end. He just signed his new contract just a few days ago and is back at practice. So he will be playing this Sunday. This past season, he won defensive player of the year and finished sixth in MVP voting, the highest among any defensive player. Well-deserved accolades. He is the league leader in sacks. So when you run around and you grab the quarterback, he's done that over 18 times this past season. And quarterback hits is 45, which is insane. So when the 49ers are playing and the other team has the ball, Nick Bosa is who you want to be watching. It's also who their opponent is going to be trying to defend so that he is not getting their quarterback. Then we have Jalen Hurts at number three. This is his second season as a starter. He obviously led the Eagles to their best record, and a Super Bowl appearance this past season. One thing Jalen Hurts is really known for is his poise under pressure and then the mobility he has to kind of do that spread offense where he can run the ball and throw the ball. Then we have Justin Jefferson for the Minnesota Vikings. He is number two. So he's gotten a lot of trouble this past week and over previous time with some domestic violence issues and some terrible text messages have come out about him so we're not really going to talk about him but if that's not something that really bothers you and it is what it is he is definitely going to be a top player to watch but it will be interesting to see what morality clauses that the minnesota vikings will put in place because of him and then number one you have patrick mahomes Not really a whole lot more to say about him other than, like, he's great. He's broken records. He's won Super Bowls on a broken ankle. And he deserves the number one spot for the top players in the NFL. All right. So that wraps up this week's podcast. I think what I'm going to do in the following weeks is kind of just go over what's been going on in the NFL, kind of like a segment in a sense of, like, what is your husband currently talking about so that you can understand? So, here's one for this week. Right now, everyone is talking about Caleb Williams, who is the quarterback for USC. Well, his dad came out and was like, you know, if the Cardinals are going to do this thing where they try to get the number one draft pick, I don't think that, you know, Caleb's going to go into the the draft, I think he's going to stay in college for another year. Now granted, Caleb's not saying any of these things. But what his dad is basically doing is he is now setting the tone for future drafts in the future that because yes, when you have the worst record, you get the number one draft pick and it goes from there. You can also like trade those draft picks and etc. But normally if you're the worst team, you need to build a better team. So obviously you want high draft pick numbers. So it's a blessing and a curse to be picked number one in the draft because it's great to be picked number one because you are the best player. However, you end up going to a team that is struggling. Maybe they're struggling on the field, but they may also be struggling in the organization from an ownership perspective. And so this was bound to happen because now that these college players can get get paid, they're like, well, I don't want to go to a shitty team and a terrible, you know, organization, I'm going to stay in college and keep playing and keep getting, you know, $10 million a year or whatever they're getting paid. So it'll be interesting to see how this uh, changes and evolves over time. But it is worth noting that Caleb's not the one doing the talking. It's really been his dad that's kind of like, been, you know, speaking all of this into existence. So there's that that's kind of like, the top news right now in sports so I think like kind of mentioning some things like that in the future weeks will be helpful and just like you know kind of maybe go back to our top five stories of the week I will kind of play it out but that's all I've got for you enjoy football this weekend uh plenty of games early games on Sunday so get out to your brunch places early and we'll talk later this week love ya bye